Well, grace and peace to you. We want to welcome you here today. And if you have a Bible, you might be turning it to Isaiah 51. We'll be in Isaiah 51 and and 52 this morning. We've got lots of events coming up. I want to encourage you to uh, participate in those events. Um, Being a church is more than just coming to worship. We're a family who gets together and spends time together and, and enjoys one another's company. And so uh, we'll have a Christmas party this evening. We've got a men's breakfast on Saturday, a special worship uh, next Sunday evening. So I encourage you to be a part of, of one of those um, activities, and I guarantee you, you will be blessed. You may have seen that, that wreath um, that's behind me. You can't see it with the screen now, but if you were here during class, you saw it. Uh, Laura and I were out at Schmeckenfest the other night, and someone from the community just gave that to our congregation. They've heard of the good works, the good things that we're doing in our community, and wanted to bless us, and so they gave us that. And so hopefully uh, that will remind you of the light that we're being in this community and will encourage you to continue to be that light in this community. One of the ways you can do that is we are collecting um, items now to help 35 families. Uh, These are families in need. These are families identified uh, by the school system who are in need. And and we're going to try to provide them with some Christmas presents for the kids and some food. And so uh, we'll be collecting items up until Wednesday for that. If you'd like more information, see myself or see Carissa and we can tell you about it. Let's begin with a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 25, I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No. There will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In 1597, a a German minister named Philip Nikolai wrote a famous hymn entitled Wash It Off, which means sleepers awake. And he wrote it during a plague when more than 1,400 people died. And so everyone around Nikolai was dying. But instead of of focusing on death, he looked beyond his surroundings and he relied on his hope in Jesus. This hymn was later adapted into a cantata by Johann Sebastian Bach. And it's based off of that passage in Matthew 25, but it has much in common with Isaiah 51 and Isaiah 52. 
And so I want, you, I want to begin by, by us listening to the words that were written by Nikolai over 400 years ago. The hymn goes like this, Awake calls the voice of the watchman to us, very high up on the battlements. Awake, you city of Jerusalem, this is the hour of midnight, calling us with clear voice. Where are you, wise virgins? Prepare, the bridegroom is coming. Arise and take your lamps, alleluia. Make yourselves ready for the wedding. You must go forth to meet him. Zion hears the watchman singing. His heart leaps with joy. She wakes and rises in haste. Her friend comes from heaven in splendor. Strong in mercy, mighty in truth, her light burns bright. Her star rises. Now comes, you worthy crown, Lord Jesus, God's Son, Hosanna. We all follow to the hall of joy and join the Lord's Supper. Sometimes we feel like telling God to wake up. In fact, we saw this in our text last week when, when Israel pro- proclaimed that God had forsaken and God had forgotten them. And they were trying to tell God to, to, to wake up when in reality they were the ones that needed to wake up. They needed to wake up to their sinfulness. They needed to wake up to what God was doing in the world. And the same thing can happen to us. We can get frustrated with God because we don't think he's you know, helping with this problem or with that problem. We can call on him to, to wake up when it's really us who needs to wake up. We need to wake up to the gospel. We need to, to, to wake up with, to what God is doing here and now. We need to look beyond ourselves to see the work of God. In this section in Isaiah, the one that we've been in for several weeks, this, this grand poem, God's message to his people is to awake. And we see it beginning in chapter 51 and verse 17 where he says, Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. And it continues in in verse 21 where he says, Therefore hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk, but not with wine. Drunkenness is one of those things that's condemned throughout the Bible, but it's not just alcohol that can make a person drunk. We can become intoxicated by all kinds of things. And this is what's happening in Isaiah's day. They are drunk, he says, but not with wine. We can become enamored with fame, with success, with wealth, with winning, or any number of things. Drowsiness also is something that's similar to drunkenness in that it's something where you're not seeing clearly. You're not thinking clearly. We're not fully alert to what is going on. We're all probably aware of the the dangers of of drunk driving, but it's just as dangerous to to drive while you're sleepy. And and many wrecks are caused by, by people who are dozing off at the wheel. 
And at first it might seem odd to place drowsiness and, and drunkenness side by side, but it's really not. Israel is not awake to the things of God. Something has, has grabbed their attention. They're, they're distracted by other things. They're not paying attention to what they should be paying attention to. And so this is why God calls them to wake up. He calls them to be sober-minded. And the plea continues into chapter 52. He says, awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come unto you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. And so God here wants Israel to stop feeling sorry for herself. He wants her to throw off her chains and to put on the, the beautiful garments that, that he's laid out for her. Israel is God's bride and he invites her to sit on her throne to take her proper place. Those Jewish exiles who received this poem did not think they were very special. They were captives. Everything had been taken from them. They had disobeyed God, they had sinned, and now they were suffering the consequences of their sins. And while in captivity, they had lost their sense of God, and they felt here as if they were nothing more than victims. They could not see past themselves. They could not see past their own circumstances. And so this is why God comes to them and he tells them, wake up. And he does so by bringing them good news. They need to wake up because he wants to tell them that they're more than captives. He wants to tell them that they're not just victims. They are children of the living God. And they have reason to hope and to rejoice. And this is one reason why we today need to hear the gospel again and again. Because we can easily become like Israel. We can forget who we are and we can forget what God has done for us. You know, life is not perfect. We mess up. We get ourselves into situations where it's, it's difficult for us to see how we're going to get out of these situations. We can easily uh, then turn inward and, and to only think of ourselves, to only see ourselves as victims. And we can focus solely on ourselves and solely on our own circumstances and, and ignore everything else that's going on. And when this happens... God wants to say to us, wake up. Quit playing the victim. Quit looking just to yourself. God has come into this world. He has taken on flesh. He has showed us how to live. He has conquered sin and death. And you don't have to live as captives any longer. So stop it. You've been set free. Throw off your chains and put on those, those beautiful garments that God has prepared for you. You know, sometimes the biggest struggle that we face as Christians is not the things in this world. It's not how the world is becoming more secular or how 
Christianity is being removed from the public square. The biggest challenge we sometimes face as Christians is that we don't fully believe all that God has said. We don't take advantage uh, of all the blessings that, that God has already given us. We don't fully hope in the future that God is preparing for us right now at this very moment. And God wants the people in Isaiah's day to, to wake up so they will be ready for what is to come. And so this is why he says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Imagine pacing the floor when a loved one is in surgery, waiting on the doctor to provide an update. And finally, you hear footsteps coming down the hall. And it's the doctor. And he's come to tell you that the surgery was a success. Think about a mother or father whose child is overseas fighting in a war, and they worry every day about their child's safety. And they fear receiving news that their son has been injured or worse, that he's been killed. And finally, one day, they, they hear their neighbor running across the field. He's yelling, and they go out to see what all the fuss is about. And he tells them, the war is over, and all the soldiers are going to return home safely. It seems kind of strange talking about the beauty of someone's feet. We don't typically think of, of feet as something being beautiful, but it's, it's different when we're receiving life-changing news. And so the sound of someone's feet who's bringing us good news, that's beautiful. And we rejoice in hearing the feet of the messenger who comes to bring us good news. What do you rejoice in hearing? God says, God says there's plenty of, of good news to rejoice in. Just in this one verse, he says, there is peace. There is happiness. There is salvation. There is the message that our God reigns. That he is Lord over all. That he is in charge. And all these blessings which he speaks of in this one verse come through Jesus. He is the King of kings born in the manger. He comes to bring us salvation and peace. This time of year is a great reminder of that good news of Jesus Christ. It's a great wake-up call to those of us who have gotten bogged down in the monotony of life. It's a reminder to look beyond ourselves and to look beyond our own circumstances. You know, it would be wonderful to say now that, that Jesus has come into the world, that, that we no longer have to worry about drowsiness. We no longer have to be worried about being intoxicated by earthly things. I would love to say now that Jesus has come into the world, we're fully focused on him and only concerned with walking in his ways. 
Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? But sadly, the, the problem in Isaiah's day is still a problem today. In fact, it was a problem shortly after Jesus was resurrected from the grave and ascended to heaven. While people were still alive who knew Jesus, Paul had to write these words. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We need to constantly be reminded to wake up. Because we get distracted by so many things and we lose sight of what truly matters. God has come into our world. He has done great and marvelous things. He has come to heal us of our brokenness. He has come to forgive us of our sins. He has come to teach us how to love the right way. He's come to create a family of believers who will support us and be with us every step of the way. Maybe you've been a Christian for 60 years, or maybe you're a new Christian. Whatever it may be, I, I suspect that you need to hear the gospel again. I suspect that this message in Isaiah is a message that speaks to all of us. Christ died for us. We are saved by His blood. We are saved not by our own doing, but by the grace of God. So throw off your chains. Throw off whatever it is that, that, that's holding you down, that's keeping you back. And don't be enslaved to sin any longer. Put on the beautiful garments that, that God has prepared for you. Garments that are pure and white as snow. You are forgiven. You are saved because of the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Don't doubt that. Awake. Awake and believe it today. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for coming into this world to save sinners like us. And we're thankful for your grace and mercy. We repent that sometimes we get drowsy or sometimes we lose focus of what we need to, to be focused on. Father, we pray that we would wake up, that we would see as you would have us to see, that we would remember the good news of Jesus Christ and all that he's done, and that we would live as a people who have been set free, forgiven of their sins, that we would live as a hopeful people and understand that you have a wonderful future plan for us. Father, we're thankful that this is only possible because of your son, because of what he did on the cross. May we trust in this. May we trust in the sacrifice that gives us forgiveness and peace and salvation. 
We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.